following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Okay, in preparation for this sermon on giving, I watched a handful of uh, YouTube videos (laughs) of TV preachers. Um, I mean, purely for research purposes, not because uh, I wanted to make fun of them or anything. As I'm sure most of you know, um, a lot of preachers on TV are, are crooks. Okay? I don't want to equivocate about this. They're charlatans, they're liars, and they're thieves. Um, not all of them, but a lot of them are. And what they do is they convince good people to send them their hard-earned money, promising a blessing in return. And the way they do that is they sort of monkey around with Scripture and twist it to mean what they think it should mean. And they flash those big toothy grins that they have. And they take all that money that people give them in good faith. And they buy mansions and fancy cars and swimming pools and airplanes and who knows what else. They're very good at what they do. But they are thieves. And they are thieves who twist the words of Holy Scripture to commit their theft, which I think is rather reprehensible. Now, uh, that being said, I did sort of go back and forth on whether I was going to start my sermon out this way because, um, well, it's easy to tear other people down, and TV preachers are actually a fairly easy target. But there's a reason that I mention them, and the reason is that they use the same word, almost all the time, they use the same word to try to get people to give them money. And the word is seed. Right? They use this as a metaphor. They say you need to plant a seed, right? by which they mean send me a large check. Right? Uh, the one, I happened, one of the ones I happened to be looking at uh, was asking for people to send him $1,000. Right? Well, couldn't I just send 25 And he screams, No! You have to step out in faith and plant a big seed. And the promise is, which is a lie, that if you plant this seed, by which he means send him money, God will bless you with a multiplication of your finances so that you will have more than than before you gave the money. This is called the prosperity gospel. And that planting a seed became very interesting to me, and I want to talk more about that in a little bit. But first, I have to tell you about my grandmother. Some of you are chuckling because you've heard about my gram before, haven't you? My gram is the most faithful giver that I know. I don't mean that she gives the most because she doesn't have much. But I, I mean that she gives the most consistently of anybody that I know. Now, she was raised in a very conservative church. Uh, and she was taught that she had to give a tithe. And tithe is a word that simply means one-tenth. And ever since my gram was a little girl growing up on a farm in rural New York, she gave one-tenth of every nickel that she earned. That's hard to give a tenth of a nickel, but she found a way. (laughs) She gave one-tenth of every bit of money she earned to her church. Wherever she was living, 
whatever the circumstances, whether she liked the pastor or not, whether she believed in what that church was doing at that time or not, in its, in its totality, whether she had any quibbles or anything, she gave her tithe, 10%. Milk a cow, get a dime, give a penny, 10%. Later in life, she had a very good job for a woman in that era of American history. 10% of every paycheck went right to the church. And I'm guessing she tithed the gross, not the net. <laughs> Bank account was empty, 10% anyway. Nothing but a social security check, she's still given 10%. Car needs to be fixed, not until she gives the 10%. And when the need arises and the pastor calls for a special offering, whatever it might be for, she digs in and gives a little bit more. Now, there are a lot of people like my gram, faithful people who, who give in that way, 10% on every dollar. Some of you give that way right here at Artisan Church. 10% off the top no matter what. I think it is a deeply admirable practice. I think it is consistent with the tradition of the church. I think it's even consistent with the pre-Christian Jewish roots of Christianity. But... I do not think, and I have not been able to see my way to finding an argument that this is a clear mandate in Scripture that every Christian must give 10% exactly all the time. I just can't make Scripture go that way. I can see the road by which you could, but for me, I can't get to the place where I could ever in good faith say to all of you, you have to give 10%, specifically that amount. Full disclosure, I give 10%. (laughs) That's the place that I have landed for myself and for my family. That's what we have decided to do. So I don't think you are a bad person if you observe the tithe. I don't think you're misguided. I love my gram way more than I love any of you. (laughs) And that's exactly what she believes. I just don't think that I could, as a a teacher of Scripture, coming from the, the perspective that I come from, that I could get to that point with any of you. All right. So that was a but. <laughs> now I have another but. <laughs> you have examples of people in Scripture giving 10%, and you have examples of people in Scripture giving amounts other than 10%. Let's say it like that. Let me give you some examples. Um, <clears throat> Bible's over here. There's a moment in the New Testament where Jesus is uh, sitting in the temple. You read about it in Mark 12. Um, I'm going to go quickly through the scripture so you don't need to follow along if you don't want to, but the the page numbers will be on the screen there. Um, Jesus sat down opposite the treasury in the temple, watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. And he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. All she had to live on. So this is a woman who gave a lot more than 10%. 
do I think that uh, there's a clear mandate in Scripture that everybody put all of their copper coins into the treasury? No, I don't think that either. Here's an example of someone who did. She is lauded by none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. There's several occasions after the birth of, of the Christian church where the Apostle Paul writes back to churches that he has founded and he's continued to move around the Mediterranean basin, uh, sharing the gospel with people and starting new churches in every city that he goes to. And he writes back to some of these churches more than one occasion. And for example, right now, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, asking them to give him money <laughs> to support his work in spreading the gospel and teaching people about Jesus and in starting churches. He says, if we have sown spiritual good among you, is it too much if we reap your material benefits? Right? That's a fairly direct thing for somebody to say. Right? Now, I'm not saying those words to you, but that's what Paul says, and he says it in more than one place. Uh, we probably mentioned fairly recently on more than one occasion uh, something that happened in the very early church in Acts chapter 2. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Okay. So in this case, the early church, the very early church, has pooled their resources. They're selling their stuff, putting the money on the table, distributing it to uh, anybody who is in need. Right. And there's a... a really wild story in Acts chapter 5, I think it is, where some people sell a property and then they come and they lie about how much it was worth and they give the money to the apostles and they say, yep, that was everything. And it doesn't end well for them. <laughs> it ends quickly, but not well. <laughs> right? Now, none of these, in my opinion, are, ought to be understood to be mandates for how we would, should specifically behave. That should be fairly obvious because they're mutually exclusive. You can't do all of the things that every, peop every, every example in the Scripture is. But in all of these examples, and in many, many, many others in Scripture, people give in the context of the assembly of the believers because they believe God's mission is being carried out among them. And giving, whether it's money or um, crops or animals, it's their way of participating in the mission of their religious community. Right? Whether, that is, uh, whether that mission is the, the rituals of worship, as would be the case in the Jewish temple, whether that mission is the support of the apostles and the elders who are spreading the gospel and teaching the faith, as was the case in the letters of Paul, whether it's the care for the needy, as in Acts 2 and lots of other places in Scripture, the people give to the mission And they don't give simply because you're supposed to give 10%. Right? They don't give out of obligation or out of following a very specific rule of what to do with your money and your possessions and your, your, the crops of your field. The giving that makes the pages of the Bible that is uh, recorded for us as our religious heritage is based instead on the condition of their hearts. That's why this message is titled Generous and Sacrificial. See, I don't care about 10%. I care about the condition of your heart. I told you last week that I think giving is good for you because when you, when you hold on to things, you lose your soul. Right? 
Giving is good for you because it, it's good for your soul. Giving is good for the church because it helps us accomplish our mission. If you want to start with 10% as what you can do right now or as a target that you'd like to get to uh, or as an absolute minimum for you, that's fine. I have no objections to it. What I care about is the condition of your heart. When you give, are you being generous? Which is to say, are you seeing a need and meeting it because it's a need? When you give, are you being sacrificial? That is to say, at some cost to you? Because uh, frankly, I think that's probably the uh, mechanism by which giving is good for us. When you surrender something and it's at cer- a certain cost to you, that's what begins to shape your heart and change your, your, uh, your heart. So we don't ask our members at Artisan to give 10% specifically, but we do ask them to give generously and sacrificially. So let me take this back to the idea of the seed. None of this generous and sacrificial giving in the Bible ever appears to me, anyway, to be a ploy on the part of the givers to build their own wealth. Right? You see a lot of people planting seeds. Paul even uses the language of sowing a seed into his ministry. But you don't see people doing that with the expectation that they will then return, receive it in return multiplied. I don't think that they ever expect to see the money again, actually. That's why it's a sacrifice. That's why it's generous. As far as that goes, if you make $100 million a year and you give 10% of that away, you are not being generous and you are not being sacrificial. Okay? That should be obvious to us, right? If you can't live on 90 mil, <laughs> you're doing something wrong. Okay? Now, it's obvious with someone who makes $100 million a year. Eh, if somebody makes less than that, I don't know. You have to, you have to listen to the Spirit speaking to your own heart and, and let God perhaps challenge you to do more than you think is comfortable. Um, by the same token, if you make $10,000 a year and you give 10% of that, you are one of the most generous and sacrificial people I would know. Right? This is why it's a qualitative, not a quantitative reality in my opinion. Okay? The condition of your heart. So the people sowing these seeds do not expect to, ret- to get a, a, a multiplied return. That's why I think the TV preachers are lying. And this is where they go wrong. They say that you should plant a seed so that you can profit from the harvest. They say that this is what God promises. No. I say you plant a seed not to profit, but to feed. Did you like how that rhymed? You plant a seed not to profit, but to feed. I think you all want to say that with me, don't you? (laughs) You plant a seed not to profit, but to feed. Right? If you plant... Wheat in the ground, go about your business. <laughs> Do not expect ever to harvest that wheat and make delicious bread for yourself. Wonderful high-carb bread. Instead, plant the seed and go on confident that when that seed sprouts into a wheat plant, someone else will be there who needs the wheat to make the bread to feed their family. 
literally or metaphorically speaking. You never know what you can set in motion by a single act of faithfulness. And that is both a wonderful joy and also kind of a bummer because if you knew, I bet you would do more. (laughs) I bet we all would if we could see it all the time. You never know what you can set in motion by a single act of faithfulness. Plant a seed, not to profit, but to feed somebody. You may literally feed someone with the money that you give to Artisan Church. You may help feed their souls. It would be slightly disingenuous of me if I didn't point out the fact that you actually do feed my family when you give to Artisan Church and Jesse's as well. But I, I, wanna, I don't want to spend too much time on that because it's the, it is not about me in the biggest of ways that I could say. So here's the last thing about all this. As I've said to you so many times in the last few weeks, we are in it together as a community. In two weeks, when we go to two services... That will be a little bit uncomfortable for many of us. I've recognized that. I, I give you permission to mourn and grieve that. It will be hard to be away from our friends and not see them in worship every week. But I'm asking you to do this, to make this kind of sacrifice, because we're in it together. And for the sake of the mission of the church, this is what needs to happen. The same thing happens with our money when we give. We are in it together. Perhaps not as drastically as the early church when they all put the put everything on the table, but whatever you give, we are in it together. You give, I give, the person next to you gives, and uh, we can accomplish our mission together. So I want the children who are in the room to help me with this, actually. I want want you you kids to help show the grown-ups something. So could some of you who have those coins come up here with me and bring your coins? All right. All right, Judah, Colden, look at all these kids coming up here. This is wonderful. Okay, so grown-ups, this is uh, an, uh, uh, an object lesson, okay? And you have to use your ears because you can't see necessarily what's going on here. What I would like is for one of you kids, would you like to be the one, Eliza? Can you put one coin in the, in the, in the bowl? And I want you to listen to the sound that it makes, right? All right, I'm going to put my microphone down by the bowl, and you can put one in too, right? Right? You hear that sound? Now, I want you, let's say right now Judah and Colden, can you both put all of your coins in the bowl at once and listen to how it sounds different? We're in it together. All of them at once. Ready? Go. Oh, that's very musical, isn't it? All right. Now, I want you all to put your coins in all at once, real quick. Everybody get it? Oh, yeah, good job. <laughs> Nice job. You hear that? Isn't that a a cool sound? When they all go at once, it's like plink, 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 isn't it? All right. You guys did a great job. Can we give them a hand? You guys can go back to your seats. All right. (laughs) So by being in it together, we can make a, a bigger impact on the world around us. And um, that's what I'm going to ask you to do. Many of you already give to Artisan on the regular. That is great. Um, Some of you give once in a while, and that is also wonderful. 
Some of you don't give at all, and that's okay. And if you're, particularly if you're visiting with us, please understand that this is, I talk about this once a year maybe, right? So um, this is not the kind of thing you'll hear every Sunday at Artisan. But I don't make apologies for uh, asking our community to be in it together in this way. And so specifically what I'd like to ask you to do, if you don't already give, you could try giving something today when the offering basket goes around. If you have a dollar in your pocket, put it in there and see what happens. I'm not promising it's going to come back to you tenfold. I'm pretty sure it won't. (laughs) But you will be contributing to the mission of our church and you'll be in it together with us. And that's a good thing. If you already give, but you're not very regular, and sometimes you forget, and your paycheck comes, and you're like, oh, I've got to do this other stuff first. And you don't quite have the, um, the confidence that my gram has with her money. <laughs> Let me suggest this to you. This is what I do. I would suggest that you set up an online donation. Right? I never think about it. I don't have the option to hold it back one month because I have an expensive month coming up like I do this month. It comes out automatically two days after my paycheck uh, hits my bank account. Okay? This is actually very easy to do on our website, artisanchurch.com slash giving. You go through that website. You, you have to sign up. It's like a name and a password. It's easier than signing up for Gmail. Right? Um, and then you can, you can use... Uh, one of the checks from your checking account to set up an, uh, what do they call that, an ACH deposit. That's the, that's the one that's least expensive for us to prof, uh, process. And so we will see the most benefit from that if you do it that way. You can also use a credit or a debit card. Um, that's less good for a whole host of reasons. But if, if that's what you can do, that's great. And as I said, don't be um, preoccupied with the, the numerical quantitative amount of 10%. If you can do that and it's a good place to start, go for it. You could set it up in any amount, and it would be good. Um, it would be a way for you to ensure that you are in it together with us week in and week out, month in and month out. And um, that's, that's the way I do it because I'm not very, I'm sort of forgetful. And my, my ability to do what's right with my money is um, exceeded by my various appetites. <laughs> um, so... You know, that's a, it occurs to me that that's kind of a um, very mechanical way to end a sermon. But let me, let me push back on that a little bit for, for yourself, for you and for myself. It's, it's a false dichotomy to think that some things are spiritual and some things aren't. Right? Everything you do with your bodies, everything you do with your money, everything you do with your possessions... It all has a spiritual impact. We are holistic beings. Right? It's all intertwined. And so do not think that, oh, going to a website and typing in a password and finding my check and getting that little thing is, is just a mechanical act. It, does, it is that. It has to be or it won't work. But I want you to be assured that I also consider that a spiritual act to do something like that. Right? And... Um, For those of you who are uh, not part of our community at this point, who are just kind of uh, hovering and visiting, that's entirely okay. I love that you're here. And I don't expect that you're going to be ready to make this kind of commitment in any amount to the mission of our church. Whenever you are, I would love it if you did it. But even if you're not, I want this message to work for you too. And so I'm going to ask you to go find your favorite charity and do the same thing, right? Whatever it might be. It might be a local 
organization. We partner with a couple of great ones, Northeast Area Development and uh, Rochester Area Interface Hospitality Network are two that are wonderful organizations doing good work in the city of Rochester. You could partner with the Ugandan Water Project. You could make an ongoing contribution to, to their ministry uh, for providing clean water in Uganda. Uh, you have a favorite charity already, perhaps, that you just give to once a year or something. Maybe you could give a recurring gift. That's for those of you who don't consider yourself part of artisan community yet. I want this to work for you um, in that way, too. All right. So, uh, yes, it's somewhat mechanical, but it's also very spiritual. I, I really do believe that. Okay, amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.